Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. I want to talk on the subject of the Acts, man. If you will, grab your word and you turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. This story is, I've preached out of this, I think, only, only one time before. And I had the privilege and honor of preaching a pastor appreciation service uh, for my pastor some several years ago, maybe uh, 12 years ago now, somewhere along in there. And um, I've had the privilege of preaching probably not hundreds, maybe close to thousands now messages. I've been preaching the gospel since I was a teenager. And um, the Lord just gave me a nugget out of this uh, text, and it was a... Uh, uh, about just when the when the we're going to read it, but when the guy loses the axe head and he cries out, it was borrowed. And the Lord spoke to me concerning that and said that you know um, uh, we have the privilege of swinging a borrowed axe to start with in ministry, if you will. It's not your own. The Bible says, "How can you be faithful in your own field when you've not been faithful in another man's vision?" So that's how we start out. Our proving ground is how we serve and we honor the man of God that we're up under. You remember when Elisha. Uh, when when they got in, in into um, in when Jehoshaphat got into needing the word of the Lord, they said, "Here is Elisha, who once served the man of God." It didn't say could he prophesy, but we know he's washed the hands of the prophet, and surely if he's close enough to serve him and wash the hands of the prophet, for surely the anointing is upon his life is upon him. And as they played and began to release that minstrel, the Bible says the hand of the Lord was released, and he began to step out on that and prophesy. And so today I want to go a different way with this. And at first King, I mean Second Kings chapter six and verse one, it says, And the sons of prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. I'm reading out of the New King James. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there, and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. And then one said, Please consent to go with your servants, and he answered, I will go. And so with them, and so so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, "Elias, master, for it was borrowed." And the man of God said, "Where did it fall?" And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and it made the iron float. Therefore, he said. Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it up. Father, I thank you for this day. I believe that this day is just not an ordinary day, but it's a divine appointment day, Father. I believe, Father, that you've spoken to me, and I'm here to share that which I have seen in secret, God. And I pray today that you would open our ears to hear what is the call, what is the destiny, what is the hope of the calling that lies within us. And God, I pray this morning, give me that that which makes preaching effective, and that is the presence and the anointing of God. God. Father, your word is anointed. It doesn't need any help, but Father, your servant this morning needs the help. I need the hand of the Lord to come upon me as I begin to preach and teach this morning that we may hear what is the hope and calling upon our lives in Jesus' name. I feel the Lord, my God. Hey, I called a minstrel to help me this morning. Release the hand of the Lord. There was some few weeks ago that I had a dream maybe six, seven, eight weeks ago. And in the dream, the, the dream started off in my office. And as the dream started, I was in there with another minister. That minister was, um, that happened to be in there was, uh, was Bill Johnson in the dream. 
And I could hear outside the door, I could hear the crowd, uh, I could hear worship going on, and the, it sounded like the people were joyful and the presence of God was filling the place. And, and, um, and it, it was like we were fixing to come out of there into the service. And as we come out to come into the service, Bill looked at me and he says, for surely God has sent you here is what he told me. And then he reached over and he placed his hand upon my shoulder and he said, for what God has called you here to do. And this was a CD, I guess, that uh, was cut back. Um, when was this cut, uh, Junior? Maybe 2000. Uh, 2001? 2004, September. Both of y'all lying in the house of the Lord. No, I'm it's on here. Uh, we have not <laughs> because yeah, I, September 2004 Bill handed me this plaque and this is what he said he says for God has sent you here to recover the anointing and he said I'm about to go outside of that door and he said I will tell the people that your job and your assignment here is to recover the anointing so um, to be honest with you October's not been good for me um, but um, God's still with me and I'm still with God, amen? And so as I began to meditate and I told the Lord Friday as I went and I was uh, just really just, uh, just um, in the woods meditating and I said, God, I need you to talk to me. What in the world? I believe that you, you sent me here. What, what does recover the anointing mean? I mean, what, what are you saying? I mean, uh, uh, recover means to find that which is lost. I mean, uh, for surely we've not lost the anointing. I mean, what does this mean? And so, um, you know, I believe this. You pray about it. If you can't hear nothing, Google it. Or ask Siri. She's full of all kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So as I Googled it, and, um, and I was like, recover the anointing, there was all kind of stuff about recovering the anointing. And, and as I Googled, there was just one small tag that was down there on the right, and it came up this story of 2 Kings chapter 6. And there was a guy that was preaching a message about the axe head uh, falling in and about, uh, about the anointing and that we're to recover that. And so uh, th this put me on a journey. And so then I started studying axes, and I started studying uh, axe men who, who cut down trees for a living. I mean, remember the series Axe Men on TV where they climbing these tall trees, hanging on by a leather belt, you know, topping these trees and stuff. And so, but anyhow, and I, I found uh, as I begin to go back and as I begin to really study this scripture, what I want you to notice is this, that Elisha was not the one telling the sons. You, you understand this is him being a spiritual father. He's got his spiritual sons is there and they're crying out to him saying the place that we're at is too small for us. There's not enough elbow room in this house. We got to get outside of here and we've got to build a house. But notice this, that Elisha was not the one that initiated. Everything we build, listen, there is a way that seems right unto man that there is indestructible. Everything that we do has to be led by the Spirit. It has to be Spirit-inspired. Are you with me now? And so that... So they, they leave from there and notice the text that he asked Elijah, will you go... He asked Elisha, will you go... Will you go with us? And so he says, yeah, I'm going to go down there with you. So they go down to the Jordan... 
And they start cutting trees. And as they they cutting trees, the man has an axe. We know this, that first of all, when it fell in the water, he couldn't just replace it. So it was valuable to him. We know this according to the book of Samuel that in the days of Saul and Jonathan that iron was very, that the weapons were very uh, scarce. The Bible says there wasn't a blacksmith in those days. That was a tactic of the enemy to attack the blacksmith so he could keep the weapons out of the hand. (laughs) So he's cutting and notice this, that it's borrowed. This is what I feel like the Lord told me. What you're in our gifts are not our gifts. They belong to God. Are you? They're lent to us. They're borrowed. The anointing that's upon your life is not for you to showboat. It's not for to make you look good. It's not to make you look like you're somebody on the earth. That anointing that's upon your life is a gift of God. Friend, are you with me now? I'm the handle in the axe. That is what I use. But God is the head of the axe. That is the power that he uses upon our life. Oh, I feel you, Jesus, up in this room. And as he began to cut, notice this, that as I begin to study axe, you do not want to axe near water. Because in a wooden handle, what happens is, number one, water will make it rot, but it also shrinks the wood. So what, I, what, what I, God began to draw my attention to in this text is as he began to cut, he did not notice that the axe head was slipping further off the handle. This speaks of intimacy, how we run with our gifting outside of intimacy with God. You can run with a season like that on your own strength, but it will come to an end and the head will fall off into the river. Now, as I begin to study axes, the Bible says, I mean, not by the Bible, but, but, but what I was reading about the axemen, it says that they regularly soak the handle in oil. Because the handle draws up the oil and when the handle draws up the oil, what it does is it causes the handle to swell inside the head. My God, help me Jesus. And I felt like what God was saying, son, if you want to be, if you want to be efficient, if you want to be efficient in building something for me, you've got to stay in the oil. Because if you don't stay in the oil, what will happen is, is you will begin to shrink and the power that's upon your life will begin to loosen. But if you stay in the oil, my God, help me. Somebody, God is calling us to stay in the presence. It's not good teaching. It's not good singing. It's not a beautiful edifice that we come to. It is the power and the presence of God that changes is our life friend now and I started looking at this and I started studying my God that 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 he's not telling him and then he he cried out and said you know will you will you, will you, will you I, I've got to get this back I, I th- this is borrowed I don't have the money to replace this and Elisha Elisha goes down and he throws a branch into the water I believe that branch that he thrown in the, in the water is Jesus now let's go on right here I want you to go with me to the book of of Judges chapter 6 this is where I about started jumping out my shoes. It was so good. I, I called Junior last night, and I was out there running around in the yard, and I said, my God, help me dig. I knew God was speaking, but sometimes it helps to just get somebody else to help you. In Judges chapter 6, can you just trust that I'm going to do it that way? We can just go, okay, and we just fly the plane. Y'all good? 
because I can just preach it out of my heart, it'd be better. In Judges chapter 6, there's a man by the name of, of, of Gideon. The Midianites and the Amicalites are coming in. They start out first. They start pillaging uh, what, what, what they have grown and stuff like that. But, but slowly and securely, like if you don't stop the enemy, you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. Now they're doing more than just pillaging the crops. Now they're taking their actual land and they're pushing them off of their own soil. And so now the children of Israel begin to cry out. You know this, that uh, the reason why this was uh, able to happen is because of their lifestyle. Come on, somebody. They wasn't walking in holiness, wasn't walking in the fear of the Lord, wasn't walking in the commandments of God. And so they begin to, to, to come in and begin to gain access to them. So now God is about ready to deliver his people outside of that bondage. So he visits a man named Gideon. And so when he shows up to Gideon, Gideon is hiding in a wine press and he has a little bit of wheat that he's sifting through. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, what are you saying to me about Gideon? And when I, when I, when I searched out Gideon's name, this is what got me in the book. His name means cutter, fellower. Other words, he's an axeman. <laughs> My God. Other words, he's a man that knows how to use an axe. Are you with me now? And God shows up to him. He's in a wine press hiding out. The wine is the place of the spirit that he's hiding out. And he is winnowing wheat, which to me, I felt like God was saying he's searching the word for truth. We, my God, if there's ever been a day we need to search the word for truth, it is the day that you and I are living in. There's so many voices in the land. We need to shut half the voices off and learn how to listen to the voice of God and the voice of the spirit breathing again fresh on his word. Hello. Nothing can take the place of the word of God. Listen, I don't care how anointed somebody is. I don't care how many times they say, thus saith the Lord. We need a relationship with God in the spirit where we can fan into flame the word. If you visit, I'm hollering, okay? I'm passionate about what I believe. I'm just going to holler, okay? So his name means cutter of trees. Now notice what the first thing. He's an axeman, so God shows up and he's studying the word and he's in the place of the spirit and he, he's just out there and God has to remind him of who he is because at this moment he sees himself as insignificant. He sees himself as one of the least people walking around, but God reminds him, hey son, I put you on the earth as an axeman. You're a mighty man of valor. Don't say you're weak. Let the Bible said, let the weak say that I'm strong. Listen, I'm not strong this morning because how much Bible I know. I'm not strong this morning because I'm 280 pounds. I'm strong this morning because of the one that's with me. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Are you with me, friend? And so he's an axeman, so God speaks to him. He said, you know what the first thing I want you to do, Gideon? You're never going to deliver this people until you do one thing. The first thing I want you to start with is your father's altar. Oh my God. He said, your father has set up an altar to worship Baal. There's so many things I could get into, but Baal worship was, was wicked, friend. Are you with me now? It was, it was, it was... One of the main things that they would do is sacrifice children. They would sacrifice children on a burning altar of fire and they would play music to drown out the cries of the babies. 
That's why in the book of Amos, God says, quit with your drumming, quit with your singing. I'm sick of it in my ears. Am I in the book? Amos chapter 5, I do, he said, quit with your drumming and quit with your singing because you're trying to drown out the cries of what's happening in your land. He told Gideon, he said, go, tell that, go tear that altar down. Go tear your father's altar down. And I believe what that, first of all, the requirement of an axman is first of all to set it right at his own house. We're never going to set the community straight. You're never going to set this church straight. Do you set your own house straight? Oh, God, help us. Gideon was afraid of the people, so he took 10 men and he went out by night and the Bible says that they destroyed the altar of Baal by night and then they woke up the next morning and realized that Gideon had done it and they went to his father and said, bring your son out that we may kill him. And this is what his dad said. He said, listen, why do you got to help defend your God? If Baal be a God, he don't need no defense. Come on, somebody. If he's a God, he don't need one of us to defend him. Listen here. Thankful unto God, he don't need one of us to defend him, friend. Are you with me now? He's still alive on the throne. So now God's getting ready to use Gideon as an axeman. And he says this. Gideon went out and he rounded up an army. And he had this massive army that was with him. And as he goes out, God said, listen, your army's too big, man. If, 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 if you go to battle right now and win it, the people's going to say, surely, surely we delivered ourselves. We, we, we had faith in ourselves. We, we had... We, 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 we're good enough on our own. So this is what God said. God said, look at your men. Look at your men and say to one of you that is afraid, every one of you that is afraid, turn around now. Now let me say this. As a leader, I'd have been struggling because the Bible says 22,000 walked away that day. I believe it was one of the, I believe it was Alexander the Great when he was outnumbered one time in battle. That he, he had his men and they walked up to a cliff and they had him back, the enemy had him backed up to a cliff. And he went around and told one of his men, he said, march till I tell you to stop. And his man kept marching till he marched clean off the cliff into his own death. And that when the enemy saw that they, were, they had that much faith in their leader, they turned around and retreated. So Gideon said, the people that are afraid turn around and go now. So they turned around and went. So God began to speak to Gideon. He said, listen, now your arm is smaller. I'm, I'm still going to do this thing, but I'm going to divide them down even smaller than this. Now take them out, and the ones who, who, who gets down on their knees and the ones that lap like a dog, set them apart and listen to the one that I tell you to separate. And as they got down, listen, there were some that got down on their knees and bent over and stuck their face to the water and they began to drink, and then some got down on their knees and took their hand and brought the water from there to their mouth. He said the ones that got down on their knees and took their hand to the water and brought it to the mouth, that's the ones you're to set aside and you're to take with you, that 300. Notice the alertness in their life. They never took their eyes off the vision. And they was always, and they was ready in case an enemy, because listen, if you got your, on your knees and your head stuck down in the water to bring your own self-consumption, the enemy can come jump you. And God, throughout Gideon, he said that the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon, and God brought a mighty deliverance through that ax man uh, uh, of the children of Israel. Now this is the last place I want to go to in the book of Matthew, the third chapter. And then I'm going to pray.
I'm going to camp out right here for a minute. Look at this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and, and with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region around the Jordan went to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw, uh, he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath, of, wrath to come? Now what you got to understand about a viper, a viper is not like some long snake. It's actually short, but it's, it's very deadly. It has the great ability to hide. Boy, I want to stop right there and preach right there. Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, look at this, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now notice verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mighty and I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff of the unquenchable fire. Now this is the last axe men that I believe the Lord took me to last night. And I've been, I've been thinking, you know, God, what all, you know, there's a lot laid about that we could get into about him laying an axe to the root. There's a lot that you could, you could preach there. So I got in the microphone and I got to preach it the way it was handed to me, okay? That John is down there, we know that that John represents the last of the Old Testament prophets. Among born of women, uh, there's none risen greater than John. This is what Jesus said about him. So he's a bad dude. And he's showing up in the spirit and the power of Elijah. <laughs> and we know that what that spirit does is it turns the hearts of fathers to children and the children unto the fathers. See, I'm telling you, this is way deeper. When God was speaking to me in that dream, He wasn't talking about getting the anointing just in this house. He was speaking about anointings. There's anointings that used to be in this house that are laying at the bottom of a river somewhere and He needs somebody to go throw something on that water and cause them to rise and get up again. And so now the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming down to the river. And John is standing in the river. First of all, he, he's hanging out in the wilderness. Most theologians believe that he was the reason why he was down there is because he was sick of the religious deal of his day. Like a lot of people is sick of religion. We keep giving dead messages to dead men and wonder why we're not getting different results. We need a message that is born in the womb of the Spirit. If it's born in the womb, it will reach the tomb. Friend, 
if I reach your hand, we're never going to change your life. But if I can come up with something that is born in the heart of God, in the realm of the spirit, that reaches your spirit, your life can be changed. Oh, we got preaching this tickling ears and just a feel-good message won't change nobody's life. Drinking coffee at the front door, giving them pacifiers and bottle feeding them and burping them out the back door. We need a meat T-word right now. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. When there's strife, jealousies, divisions among us, Paul said, "You are, are you not? Listen, let's go to the book of Corinthians, the third chapter. He said, are you not carnal? I came to preach to you as men, but I got to talk to you as babes, giving you milk. Giving you milk. Would some say I'm for Apollos, and some say I'm for Paul. No, you're not. That Listen, we the one plants and waters are the same, but God is the one who gives the increase. So they're showing up, the preachers of his day. This wild camel coat. I mean, he ain't got no Versace on. He's standing down there in camel's hair. He's eating wild locusts and honey. And the preachers and the scholars and the theologians that was well trained to recognize Jesus start showing up at his meetings. And he's not looking through a natural eye. He's looking through the eye of the Spirit and he sees them for who they are. And he said, you you whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You're hindering people from getting in the kingdom. Listen what he said. He later on, listen, prostitutes and sinners are entering into the kingdom, but you yourselves won't enter in, but you stand at the door preventing others from entering in. So he calls them out. And this is what he said. He said, now is the axe laid to the root of these trees. Well, I believe what he was talking about is your message. I came with the axe in my hand to cut the very root of your message. Your your message is rooted in information. We are an information age. We have been so informed that we can't even do nothing anymore, friend. We don't need another, we don't need another message. We need a move of the Spirit. And what John was saying, listen. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You hear me? I said, I feel the Holy Ghost. What John was saying is you give a message and nothing happens. But I'm telling you, I came to lay a root to that. I come to cut the root of that. I come to represent a different root. The root of the house of David that will spring up. Listen, and he's coming. And when he gives his message, it ain't going to be words only, baby. He's coming with power. And when Jesus opened his mouth, they said, never have we heard one talk like this. For this man taught as one having authority. When he said demons come out, demons came out. When he said heal the sick, the sick got up. When he went to Lazarus' tomb and said come forth, Lazarus came forth. My God. He said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of your dead message. Your message has no life. You put all your faith in the traditions of men. Listen, when Jesus was walking around healing the sick, raising the dead, blinded eyes open, deaf ears open, it was these same men that said, hey, I noticed y'all eating a meal today and y'all forgot to wash your hands. Let me tell you something, friend. If you dine with cancer, you don't care if the man of God washes his hands. You don't care if he's got Versace on. You don't care if he's got fry boots on. You don't care if he's coming here with no shoes on. Come on, somebody. We need the power of God, friend. Are you with me now? John came as a battle axe. 
to come against that message. When he showed up with the battle axe and he started swinging it and he started going after that religious spirit, there's another spirit rose up in that land. There was a king by the name, there was a Herod there who was married to a woman that was unlawful for him to have. Man, men in America scared to get behind the pulpit and call sin, sin anymore. Come on, somebody. We scared to preach the gospel. We, we scared to talk about homosexuality and social issues. The word has answers to every part of life and society. Friend, are you with me now? We need to quit trying to make the book fit our life and get our life on the cross to make it fit the book. I'm sorry, Cindy. I'm beating this axe around. I might tear the carpet. John came and said, listen, your message is word only. It has no power. You can't demonstrate nothing. You're full of dead men's bones. You've got faith in the traditions of men. Listen, the Bible says this in the book of Mark, the seventh. He said, listen, when he, went to, when he went to Capernaum and he went to Nazareth, the Bible says he could not do many miracles there. It didn't say he would not. It says he was strained. He could not operate. Now let me say this. Somebody making the, the traditions of men can shut the corporate anointing down, but it never can stop an individual anointing. Oh my God. There's been places that I've been to to preach that God, I don't believe God's been there in a decade, friend. And they may not be no corporate anointing, but when I stand up, they cannot stop the individual anointing. But Jesus could not do many miracles there. What stopped the miracle working power of Jesus? Their faith in the traditions of men. If God graded us on a scale of relationship and religion and put it on the screen our lives, we'd be totally embarrassed, including the one holding the mic. <clears throat> Your message has no power, dude. You, I mean, you're kidding me. Look at the power he's standing on. First of all, you're a bad dude to call him out. He's calling preachers out. He ain't calling sheep out. He's calling preachers out. Could you imagine you, you, you wanted the lambs down there being baptized, a new convert, and the preacher's coming from the town out, and he's, you brutal vipers. That is not in a church grow seminar how you grow your church. Neither is the statement where Jesus called the, in Matthew 15 the Canaanite woman a dog. That's not, you don't hear that at church growth seminar. If you call them dogs, they'll be more added to your church. Here's another thing what he was saying. Adam's failure, Adam's sin, and his lineage is stopping today. There's a last Adam rising up from the ground. And this last Adam is going to redeem us and we're not going to trust in the blood of bulls and goats anymore. The Bible says that the priest stood daily ministering in the temple, but Jesus, when he offered his sacrifice, sat down at the right hand of God. He's resting, friend. 
He's at right now, Jesus is kicked back in the lazy boy in heaven. He's resting. What? Till his enemies become his footstool. How is his enemies becoming his footstool? Through you operating with the axe head he's got for your life. When you, my God, when you obey God in your sphere, you are putting his enemies underneath your feet. What he's saying is, listen, devil, I could have went down and dealt with you because there's no, listen, what, one of the things that the church has got to get right is they believe that there's this struggle between, uh, between God and the devil. No, listen, the devil was created. God always was. The devil is a created being. Are you with me, friend? They, they ain't even no compromise. Jesus even said this. He said, listen, when war broke out, I heard the toilet flush out of heaven. I beheld Satan like lightning fall from heaven. There was never no struggle. But God said this, listen. He said, I'm not going to come down and whip you. I'm not going to send an archangel to whip you. I'm not going to take anyone that I got created up here in the heavenlies. I'm going to take a people that's got a choice. They can choose to love me or choose not, but I'm going to take those people that choose to love me. I'm going to anoint them the same way I anointed Jesus and they're going to defeat you. John was saying, listen, this message stops right here. Let me tell you something. Another mistake we've made in the church. Anywhere I've ever taught on the spirit of Jezebel, people say, oh my God, that's, you don't understand what that spirit is. Let me tell you something. I do understand what that spirit is, but I'm telling you that spirit is nothing to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you understand what I'm telling you? John came with the axe in his hand and when he told Herod, he said, listen here, it's unlawful for you to have that woman as a wife. I didn't come down here to win the most popular vote on the preacher. Didn't see if I could get in Charisma Magazine. Didn't see if I could grow a church. If we would quit trying to grow a church and grow a community, we'd see massive revival. Did you hear what I said? If we quit trying to grow a church and grow a community, quit trying to grow this church, grow your job. Grow your place of influence. If you do that, the church will grow and the community will grow. Our whole mindset's got to change. Listen, we're never going to change this community by getting them all to come to church. Meddling a little bit here, but listen, the community's not going to change because they all go to church. They're going to change because the community will change because they get a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So now there's a spirit start working in the background to take John out. Man, this dude is wild. I mean, this joker, I mean, he, he's scary. Now, he's calling the preacher his day whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones, a brood of vipers. I mean, he, he's pretty brassy. So there's this spirit that rises up. And Herod's wife has a good looking daughter. And she says, I tell you what, why don't you go out and perform a dance for him? This wasn't a ballerina dance, by the way. Hello. And won't you get him all excited and get him worked up? Then I'm going to pop a question. Because when you get him excited and get him all worked up, he's going to ask you what he wants for payment. I'm fit to preach right here. Let me tell you something. The world nor the devil is not afraid of Jesus. But he is afraid of Christ. Show me anywhere that the enemy come in to get him 
before he was 30 years old. Other than when the decree went out to kill every man child. The devil didn't bother him when he was the CEO of his father's business. He didn't get him while he was a businessman. But when he became the preacher Jesus, anointed by God, it's quiet up in here. Listen, you Google anything. Listen, nobody minds calling Jesus a great prophet. But they are afraid of Christos, which is the anointing, which is the power, which is the axe on the end of the handle. Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ means Christos, smeared one. When he came out of the river Jordan, listen, and the dove ascended upon him, descended upon him, which was the dove that Noah went out, sent out from the ark, and it flew throughout the ages till it found its resting place, which was the tabernacle of God with man. Come on, Emmanuel, God with us. When that dove went there, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The power came on him. Then the enemy showed up in Matthew chapter four. He said, my God. This is when the enemy showed up, when the power got there, when the presence showed up. It's when the enemy came. And the enemy showed up in Matthew chapter 4 after he was hungered and been in the wilderness. The enemy doesn't attack you while you're in some great realm of worship. He tries to attack us when we're weak. All the devil knew is there was coming, there was coming a head bruiser. He didn't know who, when it was going to happen. All he knew is a head bruiser was coming because of the prophecy given to him in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And he said, There's coming one born of a woman that will bruise, that will crush your head, and you will bruise his foot. And throughout all the ages, he's seen these men rise up in power. He's seen Samson come that could kill a lion with his bare hand. Are you with me? So I can tell you what, we got a man here that can kill a lion with his bare hand. This is a bad dude. This could be the head bruiser. You know what I'll do? I'll put a Delilah in his path and derail him. Man, here, here comes a man on the scene. My God, he's te- he, he shows up and the first thing he said, my name's Elijah the Tishbite. That's how it starts off in 1 Kings 17. And I'm here to tell you right now, all this Baal worship going on, Ahab and your wicked wife Jezebel is fitting to not rain for three and a half years according to the sound of my word. And the Bible says that the heavens shut up in three and a half years of drought. And the drought was so bad that they was, they was actually taking their children saying, I'll eat mine today and we can eat your child tomorrow. That's how bad a famine was on the earth. But listen, when this man got back up on the mountain and told Gehazi, I hear the sound of rain. Listen, he didn't say, I see it. He said, I hear it. We need people that can hear in the spirit, that can see for me, that can see the cloud the size of a man's hand. It may look like a quarter, but I'm telling you, I see it. I hear it. And if I hear it, I can give birth to it. This man shows up, listen, I got to derail. This joker's bad. I mean, he can shut the heavens up. This could be the head bruiser. I'm going to raise up Jezebel to give threat and give, give him threat. He slays 850 men on a mountain. Kills 850 men on the mountain. Raises up one woman, Jezebel. He's fearful in his life. I'm going to give up. I cursed the day I was even born. I'm the only one out here preaching a message anymore. I'm the only one walking in the power of God. God visited him and said, listen here, son. They 7,000 just like you that's on the earth that ain't bowed their knee under the bell. Get up and get your butt back to preaching and doing what I told you to do. 
Don't tell me this thing's easy, Jeremiah. Another one that the enemy cut. Listen, he said, listen, I've tried to give up. I hate, I hate preaching this message anymore. I'm going to give up, throw in the towel. But Jeremiah said, every time I went to quit, every time I went to lay it down, the coal was like a burning flame. Shut up in my bones. Now we got another head bruiser on the scene and there's a showdown going. All of heaven is gasping. All the angels are standing by to watch him. The devil shows up and he says, Jesus, command this stone to become bread if thou be the son of God. The enemy always begins to question your identity. Did God say, are you who you say you are? That's why before Gideon could ever get out of the wine press, before he ever left the word, God reestablished him of who he was. Son, you're an axe man in the earth. Listen, the Midianites are going to tell you you ain't capable. Listen, the church folk going to tell you you ain't capable. You don't have enough seminary. You don't have enough training in this and this. But I want to remind you, I called you an axe man before you ever entered the earth realm. And I come to remind you of your destiny. Listen, you are a mighty man of valor. You're strong because I'm with you. And listen, Gideon, when you jump out there and say the sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord, and you begin to break those pictures, it ain't going to be you standing there. I'm going to step inside of you like a New Testament believer, and we're going to take this devil out. Amen. Well, I'm preaching way better than the $20 you gave this morning. I'm telling you right now. Now the head bruise is on the scene. And Jesus looks at the devil and said, listen, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. I refuse to take a moment of time to fulfill my flesh with that bread which that does not satisfy, which will leave me hungry in the morning. Listen, but there is a bread which came down from heaven, John chapter 6 says, and this bread is an everlasting bread. It satisfies and it will carry you through the storms of life. It will carry you through loss. It will carry you through disappointment. It will carry you through despair and it will keep carrying you, friend. goes through and he tells Jesus Jesus came with the axe listen we know the story that Jesus didn't give in he took him up and he said listen what he tried to give Jesus was a shortcut hey I know what you came here for I got them I mean we've been looking at it ever since he gave us in Genesis 3.15 we got it posted on the walls I got every demon that's under me, underneath my ranking. We all trained in it. We know you coming. We believe you the head bruiser. We heard something shattering on the earth when you went under that water. Some said it thundered, but we heard another voice. We heard, we heard a voice that we ain't heard in a long time. And that voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, Jesus, if you'll bow down right here and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms. Listen, he had in his possession right then the deed. Jesus said, I'm not going to worship you, but I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to pick up that axe. Because see, it started at the Jordan with them trying to build a house. And it's fixing to end in the Jordan. He said, I'm going to tote this axe and I'm going to tote it into every city I go and I'm going to start preaching the kingdom. <laughs> John started out with the message. John's thrown into prison. Because of Herodias. Is that right? I'm in the book. 
who's flowing under the spirit of Jezebel. By the way, Jezebel was killed by Jehu when he come up when Elijah couldn't take her out, but Elijah raised up Elisha. And then Elisha and Jehu was Elijah's protege. Jehu had two eunuchs when he pulled back into town on that horse. Are you with me now? I'm in the book. Jehu rode up on that horse and he said, I called me for the eunuchs. Eunuchs, listen, we all got to be eunuchs if we're gonna swing this, if we're gonna swing this effectively. Circumcised of the heart. Have the flesh cut off of us. Jehu said, throw her down. Throw that heifer down. And when they threw her down, she splattered on the ground and he took the horse he was on and he began to trample her underneath her feet. And we thought for surely she's gone. Now she's showing up. Her spirit is showing up in the New Testament. Because let me tell you what that spirit can't stand. It cannot stand the anointing. It don't mind. It, I'm telling you right now, it could care less about dead icicle preaching. It don't care nothing about Sunday school messages. I'm not, I'm not demeaning none of that. But when you get the presence of God, that spirit will get stirred up. And it's coming to take it out. I cannot stand that axe. I can't, my God, if we can't make the axe fall off, I mean, we'll do anything. Let me tell you this. This is what the Lord told me. He said, if, it, if that spirit can't make the axe head come off, what it will do is wear you out building something I never told you to build. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Did you hear what I told you? God said, listen, this is what he told me. He said, son, listen, you, you listen to my voice. Don't move when I say don't move. Don't do nothing I don't say do. Listen, my heart and, my, and that woman's heart right there is the presence of God. That's my number one focus. I'm not trying to build Bethel. I'm not trying to build the ramp. I'm not trying to build Perry Stone's ministry. I'm trying to build what God has shown me on the mountaintop. Hello. Listen, and I can tell you what God's saying to the, this is what God's saying to you. Quit getting Stephen Furyk's song. Quit getting Darlene Chet's song. Get away with me and I'll give you my song. I'll let you swing away and I'll let you wear yourself down building what I never intended you to build. How much money has the church wasted in building what God never said to build? We build it to look good. We live... Meanwhile, we're building edifice all over America with stained glass windows and the world is starving to death, friend. They will be something to pay at the end when we look into the eyes of Jesus. Gosh, I'm almost through. You're going to say, my God, that's a crazy man. I don't know where that song going to come from, but hey, let him out the cage. <laughs> You know, I listen to this. Listen, what I want to say. I remember one time, you know, because a lot of times in Pentecostal church, crazy, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call us, people worried about visitors coming in. What are they going to think, man? We, we, you know, we got visitors in it. I remember listening to a CD one time by Jensen Franklin, and they come up and told him, he said, Pastor, you know, listen here. He said, we got, we got the head neurosurgeon or whatever, some head surgeon at Emory University is visiting us today. And Jensen looked back, and this is what he said in the message. He said, where was that surgeon 10 years ago? 
He said, I'm dancing with the one that brought me. It was the Holy Ghost that took me through the storm. Friend, it'll be the Holy Ghost to keep me long after you've done and gone. Friend, are you with me now? I've been in this thing to know, listen, they people that rise up and say, we with you even to the end, only to see them put a blade in your back and keep on walking. But I know this, the one that will never leave me nor forsake me is the Spirit of the living God. I'm almost done. We got to shut his butt down. He's out here. I mean, he's preaching a message. I mean, he's got an axe in his hand. This joker's eating locusts. I mean, he's crazy. Shut him down. Okay, she gives the dance. What do you want? Up to half of my kingdom. Herodias looks over there and says, the Baptist has a head. We need his head. She looked and said, give me the head of John the Baptist. I'm not worried about his handle because his handle can't do much. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here all over me right now. I'm talking about death raising anointing. Listen, the enemy is not scared about my handle, but what he is scared about is the head. And can I tell you, listen, the church is nothing but the handle and we're to get in line with the head. It's the head that does the damage, friend. My God, it's the hand that when we raise up the worship team, these instruments is nothing but the handle, but it's the hand that comes in the room that takes the head of the enemy off. Give me the head. Give me the head. Give me the head of John the Baptist. And later, they take the head of John the Baptist off but they steal one walking with the axe. <laughs> John started it out. Jesus went and picked up John's message after he was beheaded. Why didn't Jesus, listen, why didn't he, why didn't he let John finish it? Because John finished the old covenant and Jesus had the new covenant in his hand. Let me tell you something. That spirit and every other demon in hell was throwing a party when Jesus cried out with a voice, a loud voice on the cross and said, Eli, Eli, Sabachani, oh my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he bowed his head and yielded up the ghost. All of hell was saying, my God, Boys, we've done it. We have shut the axe down. We have stopped the axe. The axe is out of business. We back on the scene. Only to realize three days later, he would come out from under that tomb and the Bible says this, if hell would have known the outcome, did you hear what I said? The Bible says if the devil would have known the outcome, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory because he had to deal with one axe. Listen, now there is millions of axe men all over the earth. Millions of axe men all over the earth. Now here's the deal. When the angel writes to the churches in the book of Revelation, I'm done. To the church at Thyatira, Tower, he writes this. Is this not correct? 
I know all that you're doing right. You got some good works going on. But I do have one thing against you. You do tolerate. You do tolerate that woman called Jezebel. If you will pull your axe out and cut her head off, I'll give you power to the nations. I'll take your little platform from Sparks, Georgia, and I'll put it to the nations. I'll take your prayer life from dealing with stuff right here in a local community to dealing with stuff over nations if you will cut that head off. I have seen one in my life, in, in my walk with God, I have seen one, I really don't know if it would be a mature, whatever, I've, there's different levels to that spirit. But I have seen probably one high-ranking, walking one high-ranking level of that spirit. It came within our church in Jessup and within 12 months the church was sold on the auction block. A church of 200 people thriving, going forward every Sunday and every Wednesday that had far more community in it than what we have here today. Am I telling people a lie? You were there at the very beginning of that church. That spirit come in through, I, I really don't know how it really got in, but it come in really through armor bearers. We just sent along to help. And the one that was sent along to help got such influence to the leader that had the leader building something that God never intended to build and then got wore down. When they got wore down, they succumbed to that spirit. Now this is not according to me, but this is according to John Paul Jackson when he wrote in his book about that spirit. He said every man that he had seen given to a full mature spirit of Jezebel, he said was dead within 12 months period of time. So we're not dealing with some small ranking thing. But we do serve one greater than that. You with me? Here's another thing. You all got one of these in your hands, whether you use it or not. But how you keep it sharp as you get with somebody and you clang them together. Iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of a friend sharpen the other. You clang them. This is the job of the church in this day. We got a lot of tasks at hand, friend. We can't be sitting around waiting on a Sunday school story. You can't wait on me to bring you something to eat next Sunday. You got to eat in the morning. You got to eat on Tuesday morning. And you got to eat on Wednesday. And you got to see that church is not something we go to, but it's who we are. And I got a job to do. There's an axe, Allison, that sits in your office at school. When they come in and says, I want to take my life, you wield the axe out and you go right through that spirit. And you remind them, this is what God said about you. Psalms 139 says he knows you're rising up to your going down and you are wonderfully and fearfully made in his image. I know your image has been distorted because listen, there's a lot of things happen. There's a lot of things happen in the process. Jeremiah, listen, what he, what he, 
I mean, he starts out, God said, I knew you before you even entered your mother's womb. But after you got in your mother's womb and got into life, a lot of things happened and we got distorted a little bit. But I'm going to show back up and remind you what I said. That's the whole thing about Gideon. His name means he's an axeman. But he sees himself as some puny defeated foe and allowing the enemy to come in. And God come back and said, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. You're anointed for times such as this, just like Esther was. God could have chose us to be on the face of the earth in the time of William Branham, but he didn't. He chose to put us at this time and this point in history. And you and I are stewards of this moment right here that God has handed us. This watch right here is not on the mayor. This is not on Buddy Dukes' watch. This is on the men and the women of God in this community. This is on our watch. Will we be found on the wall? Are you going to pick your axe up and go to your job like you got a job to do? I'm here to be faithful to an employer. If he asks me to go one, I'm going two because that's what Jesus said. Hello. But I am here. And I'm not hiding my light under a bushel. Devil, if you manifest, I'm casting you out. If the sick get thrown in my lane, I ain't going to say, well, all we can do is pray. I'm pulling my oil out and I'm laying hands on them right now. Hello? What he tries to do is say, lay it down. What burdened me when I saw that DVD from 2007 was the axe heads laying in the bottom of the river. Somebody better call them back up. Have you forgot to call on this house? This house was never meant to be some building right here built for this community. This house was to be a resource center. Have you forgot to call? Do I need to remind you today the first message I've ever preached in this building in 2006 was to remind you that there was other boats following the big boat. Lord, we can't even believe for stand up with me. I'm about to pray.